Welcome to The Kindness Project, the podcast designed to share stories of kindness and share how kindness can make positive change in our world, one small act at a time. This time on The Kindness Project, Percy Jackson, Classic Kids TV, and we've got part two of our interview with Will Rainey from Blue Tree Saving. Welcome, my friends, to this edition of The Kindness Project. I'm joined by a girl who's better known as the bear behaving badly, it's Charlotte Danes. No. That is not how I would like to be referred. Just that's, because I like that TV stick. show, just because I like that TV show, doesn't mean. Um, and I'm joined by a man. <laughs> I had something. Um, I'm joined by a man who I asked to wake me up at six, but came in promptly at seven oh eight. It's Christian. Right, I thought you might fancy a lay-in, so I thought I'd give you an extra hour. Seven oh eight so. is a lay-in. What? I was awake at six. Well, if you were awake at six, you didn't need me to come and wake you up. When when I came in at 7.08, a very specific time, by the way, I don't know how you know that, but when when I was awake, at, when when I came in at 7.08, you had like sort of just like, and the first thing you said to me was, can I have a cuddle? Wasn't it? So? Wasn't it? So? Yes, isn't it? No. Uh, you know what, I've got to talk about this because we haven't talked about it on the podcast before. Facebook do this thing, this amazing thing, where um, they just share the videos that you've shared in the past. And there was one from um, 11 years ago that we sent Russell, the esteemed producer of this show, for his birthday. (laughs) Hi, Russell, I know you're listening. Uh, happy recent birthday. Thank you for uh, being our producer for all these years. We really appreciate it. But a few years ago, Russell, who's, as you probably know, if you're a regular listener of the podcast, is also my brother. Um, we sent him a, uh, a little happy birthday message on Facebook, sang him a song, <laughs> um, called him Dog Chops, because <laughs> apparently that's what you no, do. That was you. And at the, at, the, at the start, um, I just said, we're sending you this uh, little message and five or six year old Charlotte just went yes, nice, isn't it? And at 17 she's now a bit embarrassed about it. There's too many S's in the way you're saying it. What do you mean? It was, yeah, nice isn't it? Nice, isn't it? It was more like that. Anyway so so we sent that and then at the end um, uh, so cute so cute uh, five or six-year-old Charlotte turned around and went, have a nice day, have a good time. And now it's sticking, people, because it's we find it quite amusing. So, so yeah, if you ever, if you ever want to um, uh, encourage um, Charlotte in any way, she's on Twitter, Charlotte J Dames. Um, you forgot the uh, app. Just uh, oh, no. at Charlotte J Dames. Just send her a tweet. Just go in. Nice, isn't it? Just do that. Um, anyway. Uh, it'd be the most popular my Twitter's ever been. <laughs> you don't use Twitter that much, do you? I've got off of Twitter. Twitter, t- for me, turned into... There's too ma- much negative debate going on well, on Twitter. I just, I just read comics and follow authors and yeah. comic book artists. I, sp- I, suppose, I suppose like any social media, it's um, even though there is an element of the algorithms giving you what you want... Um, you do choose your network, don't you? You choose who to follow. Which is why I mostly get art, comic books and book news. Like, I get pings from, uh, because I have 
um, Rick Riordan's Twitter on every time he tweets. Has he, he got a new book coming out soon? Uh, no. Okay. Um, but he kind of tweets about other other authors that do similar stuff to, pit, to yeah. him, and he has this whole thing that has a bunch of other authors under it. Um, mm. Like he's got his own agency, is he? Yeah, or, I think yeah. so. I don't know, but Rick Riordan doesn't need to write any more books. He's just sitting on that big pile of he's Percy si- Jackson. He's cash. sitting on that big pile of <laughs> he's sitting on that big pile of money that is both owned by Netflix and Disney Plus, and yeah, yeah So he's literally actually. I mean, he, he, he hasn't got a water bed. He's just got a bed with dollar bills. That's what he's got. He, he, actually, they're making a Percy Jackson TV show that's accurate to the books for Disney Plus. Yeah, could you? Um, I mean, we've spoken yeah. about this on the podcast before. You weren't keen on the films, were you? No, no. no they so. were, they were fine on their own, but compared to the books, yeah, they're but then, just terrible. But then what? What um, uh, TV movie? Uh, again, unofficial question of the podcast. We'll move on to the. The actual question of the podcast in a minute. What TV or movie compares favourably to the books? Not I'd really. say the, the the that's probably an exception as opposed to a rule. We might use that for an official question of the podcast in a later episode. Yeah. But for today, question of the podcast is what kids TV show from your childhood um, do you remember as a classic is the one that you think actually this was amazing and remains amazing telly we've been talking about this morning for you it's Bear Behaving Badly love that show so for me it's Fraggle Rock and potentially Grot Bags and Emu and again it <laughs> sorry let me explain Grot Bags and Emu it's quite simple really um, a man with a bird on his hand lives in a windmill are you with me so far? Yeah. Right, good. A man with... And again, for our international listeners, if you've never heard of Grot Bags and Emu, because it was a UK thing, give it a Google. A man <laughs> with a bird in his hand lives in a windmill. <laughs> He's visited and um, potentially annoyed by a big green witch. And basically, that's it. Every week. It's like the reverse words. <laughs> Smurf. Well, yeah, because the man in the tower is the one that goes and annoys the Gargamel. little little blue yeah. people. So and he Rod, has a cat and not a bird. So Rod Hull was the man. Mm. Emu was the bird on his hand. Yeah. And what Rod Hull used to do is go on like UK chat shows and basically attack people with a bird. <laughs> That's what the bird was known for, attacking people. And Grot Bags was just the big green witch that used to knock on the door. And when they used to knock on the door, they... Um, <laughs> Like, there was a bunch of kids in this windmill randomly. I don't know why. I don't know why all these kids were knocking about in this windmill with a man and the bird. Um, but when there was a knock on the door, all the kids in unison used to go, there's somebody at the door. There's somebody at the door. There's somebody at the door. So it was a bit of a strange show. Um, uh, like the Beatles in their psychedelic period, I don't know whether there was any particular tablets that they were taking at the time that may have, like, oh, I know, I'll set a kids' TV show in a window. Let, let me throw another kids' TV show at you, because Sophie used to watch it um, when I used to sit and watch her, um, and it was called Big and Small. Ah, no. Is that the one with the cooks? No. What was that called? I don't know. Go on, big and small. Talk to me about um, big and small. And there was one 
giant guy and he was purple except he was a monster and not a and there was one tiny guy and he was yellow and obviously it was big and small and they both have Birmingham accents really? don't try but like fake ones like yours um, <laughs> and the whole concept was that they just kind of lived in a house together right. and they each had separate doors that they went through because they were different Where sizes people come out with kids TV concepts I mean there was great. one when you were a kid called Big Chef Little Chef or Big Cook Little Cook yes, remember yes, that one? I don't remember that one it was just about a big cook <laughs> and a little cook when you said chef I thought you were, you were talking about that one where they like obsessively washed their hands every five minutes in no. between teaching kids how to cook oh, I, I, I've never seen that one So, but what we haven't talked about yet is Bear Behaving Badly so I don't think I remember seeing Bear Behaving Badly so talk to me a little bit about what that's about okay, so there's this um, little blue bear, and he's got this bit missing out of his ear, um, and he lives with this man, um, and the landlord uh, for the building they live in hates him, the, ble- the bear. And the whole the whole episode is centred around the bear trying to like mess up the landlord's stuff and avoid the landlord like is squashing it, him. Is it the BBC bear? Is it the bear? What what's he called? The just annoying bear that goes on BBC all the time. Oh, what's he called? What was the name of the bear? Nev. I don't think it is. Did he have a Birmingham accent? No. All right, okay. Fair enough. Let me, let me Google it. Oh, it, it, she's Googling it in the middle of a podcast recording. That's professional. <laughs> so what, we, what we'd like to know from you this week is what is your favourite show, kids TV show, from when you were a child? And we're expecting a wide range of uh, answers from that. Um, and on that note, and while... Charlotte's apparently Googling stuff. Um, yeah, your wife We'll is move great. on to Connie's News. And it's on me this week, so I'm doing yeah. the Connie's News. And this is Connie's News COVID edition. Now, you could argue that there's not much kindness in COVID. I did say that, yes. Um, but there is some optimistic news on the horizon that I uh, that I wanted to share. So I did a um, a radio. I was asked to go on a, a radio interview yesterday. <laughs> yeah. um, oh, what's his name? Is that Barney? Yeah, Barney. No, he did another bear related show, didn't he? What was the other bear related show that he did? I don't know. There's there's the landlord. <laughs> Right, okay. We, and and there's gonna... the Australian bear. No, I do remember that. I do remember that. Bear behaving badly. Check it out. So, <laughs> so back to Kindness News COVID edition. Um, now, interestingly, there is a element of optimism in in the UK in particular at the moment where it oh, comes yeah, to COVID. Oh, yeah, the vaccines. Because um, I am... As I said, I went on a radio interview to talk about business and uh, uh, financial planning and a bunch of different stuff. And they asked me to do some research yesterday into some news articles that I might want to mention. Um, And I sort of looked on BBC News and was really pleased that um, we'd made so much progress with the vaccine. So what I didn't realise is that in the UK at the minute... 
8 million people have been vaccinated. It's going to be over the weekend. Um, we're recording this on a Monday and um, over, over the weekend uh, at the end of January. Um, yeah, considering this is due Thursday, we're pushing it, but it's yeah, fine. Yeah, we're, we're cutting it a bit fine in terms of getting this published. But it means it's it means for once... It's more factually it's accurate. Fa- yeah, exactly. We're, we're, we're recording it as it goes out, so that's good news. So... Um, uh, yeah, so over the weekend there was about 600,000 people vaccinated and by the m- middle of Feb there's likely to be 15 million people vaccinated in the UK. So, <laughs> not that much great to say about COVID itself but my uh, kindest news this week is the fact that we are making genuine progress in uh, getting particularly our most vulnerable people vaccinated. And we're, <laughs> we're just going to high-five all the way through. Um, high-five on a podcast, that works. Um, do you want to do another high-five? Um, so, <laughs> so that, my friends, is this week's piece of... Kindness news. Uh. <laughs> uh, apparently you shouldn't do kindness news with a cold. Um, and on that note, we're going to move on to our interview. That's what places me. Okay. So we've swapped places <laughs> and the interview this week is our second part with Mr. Will Rainey. Now, Will Rainey is an amazing guy. Uh, he runs a business that mm. helps kids... Um, learn about money and in the second part of the interview we understand a bit more about his organisation but particularly how he uses Lego um, and Star Wars to um, help kids learn about money should we should we listen to the interview yeah Oh, I thought I was going through a thumbs up. So, talk to me about some of the habits that you yeah. that kids could yeah. develop <laughs> while Charlotte falls over. Um, the kids should develop to yeah. be better with money. Yeah. So what I so the way I talk to my well, so when I first started talking to my kids um, when they were young, because we were putting some money into investments, but I didn't really want to talk to them at that age about investments and talk, showing them these arbitrary numbers. So what I started with is to say that money is like seeds, and so every time that we uh, gave them some savings, we're planting them, and they're growing into what trees or blue trees and hence the name of my company so now when we started giving them pocket money we said right here's your seeds how what do you want to do you can give them away which is spend or what we'd rather you did with some of them is plant them so every time they get some pocket money we tell them to plant at least a couple of their seeds and grow them uh, into blue trees so that's kind of really trying to help them build wealth and it's kind of the objective and that's of a good life. analogy to compare it to that that the time it takes to grow that tree yeah, isn't it exactly you know I mean? and they, and also it does compound interest as well because trees will produce more seeds which then yeah. you can plant and grow more so the, their high objective is to try and grow this financial forest that's going to look after them yeah really so that's hard. one habit is every time the other one is we say plant some flowers, which is slightly different, which is where they save up for a goal. So some saving up for uh, a toy or a magazine or a book or, or a game. So flowers don't take as long as trees to grow, but they don't last very long once you have them. So it's, it's trying to get them every time they get some pocket money to sort of save up a little bit. And this is the delayed gratification. So yeah, the habits are plant some flowers and plant some blue trees every time that they get some money. So you can still spend lots of their seeds 
but just have a few. And those two habits of planting some flowers, i.e. saving up for something uh, and planting some blue trees to kind of grow their wealth, uh, I think are just going to be so, so powerful. So when they become adults, that's just what they do. So even now, the, the amount they've got now is small. If they keep doing that, and as they get more and more money, and they keep doing the same, then the chances of them going into debt and et cetera is going to be yeah. much they're, they're lower. Just they're just managing their money. I mean, Charlotte's yeah, got a different philosophy. She just sort of earns money and keeps it, doesn't you? And just, and you just, <laughs> I don't have anything to spend it on, so I don't need anything. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I'll probably um, splurge on Christmas presents this month, but otherwise... Yeah, yeah, you just, you just you just hauled like that. <laughs> like just a dragon like and a <laughs> giant mountain of gold, just like... <laughs> Mine. Yeah, maybe we should start a financial education program called Dragon Charlotte the Dragon. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so what I did love is the way that you use um, like st- stuff that kids are into. Like your Lego bricks blog was amazing, by the way. I really enjoyed that. And I know I know there was a bit for the adults as well. And funny enough, the Millionaire Next Door is one of my favourite all-time books. I think that perception of real wealth compared to that fake perception of of Instagram wealth or whatever you want to see is interesting. So tell me a little bit about sort of how you think we change that perception that 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 material wealth is everything and actually financial security is more important what do what do you think we need to do about that yeah well the first bit is just to kind of raise that that there's this alternative because everyone's kind of growing up in this world where they're only going to see what's on tv what's on social media see what their friends have got and therefore that kind of materialistic what view of the world is kind of just natural and in, in your it's face. That definition <laughs> yeah. of success, isn't it? it is. That that yeah. that's the sort of yeah. perception that, that that's out there at the minute. Yeah, so I, I, I wrote a blog called Rich Kids versus Wealthy Kids, and in the start of that, I kind of say when I was younger, I used to watch a program called MTV Cribs, which was going around like famous superstars' houses and they had all the big mansions and rooms and swimming pools and cars. And that's what I wanted. And I remember drawing the mansion I was going to live in and thinking about the the supercars I was going to drive. But then as I got older, I found out all those superstars are are bankrupt. (laughs) I actually actually rented the big houses just for the TV show. They didn't actually own it. And I was like, oh, it just kind of shocked me. And it kind of then just put a shiny light on, actually, most people who are showing off (laughs) don't actually have much kind of substance behind what what they're showing. So so what I've done with my daughters is kind of, I told them a story about rich raccoon versus wealthy wallaby. And so rich raccoons, the kind of stereotype of the Instagram, (laughs) big house, fancy cars showing off, uh, earns lots of money. Um, but then he goes for lunch with his wealthy wallaby friend who doesn't have a high-powered job, hasn't stayed in the same house for, for many, many years. Uh, and they go for a lunch and rich raccoons showing off and taking them to the fanciest restaurant and saying, I'll pay. But then wealthy wallaby says, oh, I'm just letting you know that I'm going on a very long holiday with my family because I want to spend loads more time. And rich raccoon's like, how can you do that? And I can't. I earn so much more in you. I've got so much more stuff than you how can you and it's all well wallaby has just been slowly building up saving a little bit every time and it just gives this i'm like it's like oh yeah i definitely want to be 
like wealthy wallaby and have that kind of freedom to to be able to do stuff whereas rich raccoons kind of captured in his money world and and that's the challenge isn't it it's just i think when you do get a bit older and certainly when you have a family that value of time is mm. The, yeah. the perception changes over time, doesn't it? You go, you know what? It's 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 time you, using money to buy you the time that you want to do with what you want, really. Yeah, exactly. And then so the other bit of the, the kind of uh, visualization I use for my kids is the uh, when they're, they because even at a young age, they'll say, oh, my friend has this, my friend has that. And you kind of say, well, that's fine. But unless you know if that that family's got its own blue tree forest, because in most cases, people don't have a single tree, let alone a forest. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What would you rather have? Would you rather have all this stuff and kind of be left bare if there's any kind of storm? (laughs) Or would you rather have slightly less stuff but have a a nice financial forest? Mm -hmm. And there's a balance, isn't there, I think? Mm -hmm. It's about balance, but making sure sure you get it right. Um, Why don't you... I mean... (laughs) I think I think in terms of um, in terms of the challenge we've got about teaching kids about money is a lot of parents don't know. What yeah. role do you think parents play in teaching kids about money, particularly if they're in a position where they don't know about money themselves? Yeah, so this is such a common piece because um, yeah, because parents, yeah, as we talked about earlier, they just never talk, and most people have this association of oh, you need to have money before you kind of think about money. <laughs> Um, so they, or they'll say you have to be good with numbers or you have to be from a rich family before you, you kind of know about money. Yeah. And I, it's the key that actually, no, that doesn't have to be the case. As we talked about earlier, uh, the key aspect for all parents is just to help encourage their kids not to spend all their money. <laughs> it, it does, and every single parent can kind of pass that yeah. message on, even if they're not doing it themselves. <laughs> yeah. They don't have to go through and start talking about VAT and APR and what all these terms mean. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Even just that very, very basic piece. Start with the behavioural aspects mm-hmm. first. Exactly. Yeah. Just that yeah. little bit. If your kids learn to save from a young age, the chances of them being financially healthy uh, when they grow up is substantial um so or, or just or just sit in the dining room table and do the marshmallow test yes <laughs> oh just on the just a caveat for the mushroom just make sure people know that if their children fail that test it can be taught because <laughs> people yeah. are like, oh, like, yeah. they're doomed <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Next hey, time. Yeah. Sorry. You, you found the test you're, 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 I, i'm gonna have to have you adopted now um, you're, you're you're going to a different family um, oh um so what role do you think schools play in the financial education of kids? Yeah, this is a really hard one because um, well, I'd love to see schools doing more and more in this area. And I know there is a curriculum which has been supported by Young Money and I know Martin Lewis is, is kind of helping out a lot on that. So the more that the conversation about money starts in school and then can go back to the house, I think it's very, very powerful. Mm. The issue is, like we just spoke about, te- uh, parents don't know much about money. Yeah. Teachers <laughs> don't know about money as well. So that's the that's the biggest challenge, I think, at the moment is, I think all parents want it, but who's the experts that are going to sort of teach our children? And at the moment... It's an assumption that teachers are good with money themselves. And my experience is that that's sometimes no. or often not true. No. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. Um, yeah. So tell us a little bit about what the platform Blue Tree Savings actually does. Yeah, so... So I've got a little tool, which is part of the kind of 
develop with my children, which I'm going to be making into an app into 2021, which I'm excited about. Um, so it's essentially based on that little story I told about my, give my kids some seeds. So it's a kind of a pocket money tool. So instead of now giving my kids physical money, we kind of just go onto the computer and say, okay, you've got this kind of money and now it's going to be shown as seeds. And then they can then make the decisions what they want to do. And if they decide to put it into blue trees, then they kind of see their kind of blue tree forest kind of growing. Uh, all, and if they get flowers, if they want to spend it. Yeah, yeah. yeah and if, so the blue trees are actually, if you invest, I know a lot of people aren't investing. So you can actually do bushes, which is like put into a, a savings account. And so it kind of just gives this opportunity for kids to start making these choices um, and see their kind of financial forest kind of growing. But it also does like a little habit checker in there. So every time that they get some money, if they don't kind of put a little bit into blue trees or bushes or if they don't uh, put some into the flowers, then they'll get a little sad face. But they get rewards if they if they start forming these habits. So it's, it's, it's that, it's that of habit of change, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Workshops companies. Yeah. Oh, we fell far down. Damn. Okay. Tell me a bit about the workshops you run for companies. So I've started. Just, just, just so we say it a third time. Do you want to workshops for companies? That's all. Tell us a little bit about the work you do with companies. So the fantastic bit is now that. Uh, companies are now doing a lot more focus on well-being for their employees, whether that be social, uh, mental, but also financial. So I've been going to work with companies and putting on these workshops, which is aptly titled How to Teach Your Kids About Money. And it's kind of introducing the topic of why it's so important to teach kids about money, this concept about money being like seeds. And 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 that's an interesting way to start the conversation, isn't it? Because it's not saying actually we're teaching you. It's like, here's the skill. And we all want to be better dads and mums. So it's like, how do we give you the skills? And you might learn some stuff along the way. Yeah, and I think it's what's been very interesting is, especially I've worked with a couple of financial services companies, and apparently they've had other people coming in and doing financial well-being workshops, but targeted at adults, and the attendance hasn't been that high. And the the reason is that people who work in financial services don't want to admit that they might need some help with money. But because we're not saying it's about you, but you can learn something. They're like, oh, we can all go. So it's yeah. been really well attended. Do you, from- a, do you reckon there's still a bit of a stigma that we think we should know how to manage money, but we don't? Oh, 100%. Yeah, no, people feel can feel either patronised, threatened, or as you mentioned at the start, a bit about your status. <laughs> oh, yeah. you don't know about money, you therefore you can't be of high status because that. <laughs> um, so I think there's a huge stigma uh, about money, and that's why I'm trying to, use this kind of platform to sort of try and break that down and hopefully the next generation if if parent, more people are talking about money with children hopefully it'll kind of break down that stigma and everyone has a kind of nice different kind of language to talk about money uh, as yeah. they grow up 
uh, so I'm going to ask a question and then I'm going to dip because okay. I've got a lesson. Um, so what story best describes... Are you describes... going to ever stay for a full podcast well, interview anymore? If, you, if, no? if you're bothered, <laughs> I don't have a lesson, maybe. Um, so what kind of... So what story best describes the work you do? Yeah. Say goodbye to Will, then. See ya! See ya, that's right. <laughs> um, so story... Well, one, so there's an actual book, which is The Richest Man in Babylon, which I is kind of what I want to install all the lessons. So that's um, the, the king of Babylon wants to help his people and they go to the richest man in Babylon. He says, how did you get all this wealth? And it just goes through a lovely story about how he started off poor, but kind of followed these kind of simple rules. Yeah. And he started teaching those rules. And that's essentially what I'm I'm trying to do uh, to sort of instill those kind of rules into children or help parents install yeah. those rules. And it children. starts with those simple habits. I think people assume that when they're thinking about money as a concept, they need to get super complicated, super quick. It's about just sort of like just a pound, like just, just breaking it down with Lego bricks or with you know some way that you can really effectively communicate and just build it from there. Yeah. So my most popular blog has been how to teach your kids about the stock market. And that again, I use Lego bricks in that. <laughs> um, but that was I see a theme generated here. Will. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like the kids have been out of school and I've been sitting there playing with like Sylvanian families. <laughs> 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 they're coming home. They're like, he's been touching yeah. all the toys. <laughs> yeah. No, honestly, kids, it's work. I, I'm, I'm, I'm working here. <laughs> yeah. But also the great bit is I get to do some of this with my daughters. So I kind of test them out of it. And we did, so on the story, we did a... Um, my daughter and I love Star Wars. So we, my eldest, we kind of banish the youngest and the wife out on a Friday and we sit down and watch Star Wars. But we did one uh, the other day and we're like, oh, how can we make this into something for, for Blue Tree? So we did uh, Star Wars meets Aesop's Fables. Yeah. And we did the tortoise and the hare. Uh, but we changed it to Yoda and Darth Maul. Uh, and instead of running race, it's who can make the most money over a, kind of a long time period. And, yeah. and Darth Maul goes off and does gambling, uh, gets a little bit of money quickly, but then gets too complacent. Whereas yeah. um, Yoda, he takes his money and he plants some seeds, grows these big trees and, and sells them to the Ewoks. <laughs> well, look, yeah, look, if, if anybody's going to be the, the hero in that story, it's got to be Yoda, right? You yeah, know, it's exactly. got to be Yoda. Amazing. Yeah, so, and where, yeah. where can people find out a bit more about you? Yeah, so my website is bluetreesavings.com. Okay. Uh, so on that, it's got um, people can go on and subscribe to the weekly blog. Uh, they can get the free ebook, which is how to train your kids to be financial superheroes. So Love it. Superpowers and, and evil villains that uh, are all money related. But it's also got a link to the tool that I mentioned uh, and some of the kind of workshops and, and courses that I've started to, to develop. Great stuff. And what's 2021 looking like for you? What what plans have you got for that? The app sounds really exciting. Yeah, so the app's a big one. And, and hopefully just doing more and more kind of workshops um, and more of the tool. I'm hopefully going to be working with some different companies that sort of have some kind of my material kind of licensed. So it's more of an ongoing rather than kind of going in there doing one workshop uh, yeah. and kind of going away but more of an ongoing but so so i suppose suppose that brings me on to another question you go in and do a workshop and you're talking about sort of these these concepts 
But as yeah. we know, it's habitual, right? And you need to sort of develop the habits. How can you, how do you see that working in the future in terms of helping people develop those habits? Yeah, so that's why I, the tool bits there is, is kind of because every time they get problems. And so one of the bits I do during my workshops is I actually get everyone to get their mobile phone out and put in the, the reminders app, give your kids pocket money. So yeah, every yeah. time. Uh, so every week they've got this little reminder and then hopefully that sparks a conversation, hopefully, um, or some decisions uh, for the people. And hopefully it will say, let's go and read another blog <laughs> yeah. uh, is, is, is the goal. Amazing. But, yeah, no, so, yeah, no, that's the plans. Great. Thanks for joining us on the Kindness Project. Oh, we, really, uh, we really enjoyed speaking to you. Um, and okay. good luck with 20. I mean, it, it'll be 2021 when this interview comes out. So hopefully we'll, right. uh, we'll have some new stuff to, to share. But good luck with 2021. Thanks a lot, Chris. Cheers. Bye. So that was the second part of the interview yeah. was Will. He was good, wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> and I've got a cough now. I think it's catching. Um, and on that note, it's the... And while I get the answers to last week's question of the podcast, um, can you just fill a little bit? Oh, right. Um, so today is Monday. Uh, so for you, it's Thursday. Today I have four lessons. Um, <laughs> Sorry, and... you're just going to do your entire <laughs> syllabus. Well, but on Thursday, I only have two lessons, which is lots of fun. Uh, next week is... The week starting the third, so enjoy <laughs> right. that. Oh, next time on Date Watch, what? Right, can you just? Right, I tell you, I tell you what. How about you do one of your Reader's Digest jokes? How about that? I haven't got it. Oh God! Right, uh, you know what? You can't get this laugh nowadays. So unprepared. You asked me to Anyway, film. right. <laughs> just, just say some dates. That's how you feel. Right. So here it is. Last week's question in the podcast was, what's your favourite smell? I'm proud of this one. What's your favourite smell? We just wanted Charlotte's. <laughs> so, Chris Haycock. Um, Chris Haycock's favourite smell was the smell of pre-dawn cold air, which m- reminds me of polishing my parade boots at 5am at boarding school, even though I hate it every moment. Odd, I know. Um... Uh, Tracy said the smell of Agua de Colonia, I, I, I don't want to try the Spanish accent, yeah. lemons. Hazel Grace, um, oh, sorry, Judith Hitchens said freshly brewed coffee is her favourite um, smell. And Hazel Grace said when it starts to rain after a really dry smell. You know that? Like you get on the grass and stuff like that. I like that smell as well. Um uh, Mike Christie, who is a friend of the show, the smell of a freshly creosoted fence in the summer with the scent of a barbecue drifting across. You know what? I love the smell of a barbecue. I'm not, I wouldn't eat barbecued food all the time, but yeah. you're not a fan? It hurts my lungs. What, the smell of a barbecue? Okay, fair enough. Um, uh, uh, Katie uh, Bragoli said fresh bread oh fresh bread the smell of fresh bread is amazing i love that um and caroline thompson is uh, a chai latte first thing in the morning i like chai tea i like the spicy bit of chai tea that smells amazing um trev robinson um said that his favorite was just 
uh, plain old rivers right out, just walking along the river and um, smelling the air. Gloria Mullins uh, likes freshly made espresso. Uh, Lucy Patrick likes the smell of matchboxes, funny enough. Um, uh, uh, Dave Forsdyke said, my friend of the show, Dave Forsdyke, apparently, I haven't seen, but his silver linings are back. Nice. Um, so I need, we need to have a look at that. Um, uh, Dave Forsdyke has been a guest of the show and uh, is a uh, regular contributor, so thanks for helping us, Dave. Um, uh, said, my wife wearing angel perfume. Julie Bell um, is also a perfume fan, but she likes Gucci Rush. Uh, Justin Gaffney likes the smell of sandalwood. Uh, Sharon Brower likes the smell of lilies. Fiona Mapergo likes the smell of freshly washed clothes. Hayley Ball likes the smell of strawberries. Do you want to do a couple of these? Because I'm, so, I'm, you know what I'm conscious of? Just say likes the smell of quite a lot. So you carry on. Uh-oh. Um, I'll just have two more. Three more. You've just skipped one. Did I really? <laughs> you do realise there's like there's seventy thousand people listening to this. Do no, wanna... I didn't skip one. Look, you already said fresh cr- cut grass. Yeah. Okay. So there's only two more. The rest of those are comments on the first one. Okay, that's fine. So Alma can. Hot bitumen. What's I that? don't know what bitumen is. I thought it was some sort of like medicinal rub. What is bitumen? Oh, weird. Fave okay. smell for Aaron Bowley is my cooking. Not my uh, cooking, Alan's cooking. <laughs> he loves, likes your cooking? I don't cook, so... Um, yeah, okay, so that's fine. I can, and that, though. that is, my friend. Wait, <laughs> we didn't talk about what our favourite smells was. We did on last week's podcast. No, we didn't. What's your favourite smell? Hot chocolate. Oh, hot chocolate, yeah. yeah. You know what was nice the other day? Walking up to the hill and the... Sunset could have been better, to be honest. We missed the timing. We didn't miss the timing. We it was a, a particularly cloudy day. You need a uncloudy, cloudless um, day to really benefit from it. Is there such a thing as a transparent sky? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, because 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 the, the sky is built through the atmosphere, isn't it? So, like even a cloudless sky isn't transparent, is it? Because all the, all you then see is space. I don't know. What That'd be cool, though. Yeah, it would. It? Uh, I mean, it would be cool. No, but you can see through the sky. It's just because of the sun that you. True, but it's the sun hitting the atmosphere, isn't it? Yeah. Well, one of, one of the things that um, uh, I'd love to go and do, and I haven't yet, is just visit a place that had so little light pollution and there's places in like the middle of the desert yeah, yeah. that where you can see a full view of all the, the stars in the sky. It just looks amazing. So that is on my bucket list for when we can do that thing called um travel. Um so maybe one it's day been so we'll, long, we'll right? I barely remember it. Yeah. Yeah, okay, uh, it. I have a joke if you're willing. Um uh, I don't know whether I am. <laughs> we'll give it a go. <laughs> How does a stop? How does a dog stop a video? Is this a Regis? Before we start, it's is this not, a Reader's Digest? It's best one? life. I've got no respect <laughs> for jokes that don't come from the Reader's Digest. It's best life. Right. How does a dog stop a video? Tell me. By hitting the pause button. <laughs> this is from best life. That doesn't. That's not best, clearly, what? is it? What? 
if that's if that's their best Dan, life, they Dan, need to get a life. Dan, was it a poor? <laughs> that was a poor joke. And on that note, my friends, have a lovely week. We'll see you next time on the Kindness Project. Bye.